You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome to America's Homegrown Veggie Show. I'm Daryl Pullis, and today I'm talking once again to Diane Blazik, Executive Director of All America Selections. Diane, you've been with us before, and people always want to know what the new stuff is, so I am delighted to have you back. Good morning. Good morning, and thank you. I'm, I'm always happy to talk about what we have that's new. Now, just to give, for people that haven't heard you before, let's give, us, give them a little rundown on exactly what All America Selections is. Yes. Sure. It's, um, we are a nonprofit organization, and we do and you're plant gone trialing. For two weeks, right? uh, what we okay. do is work with breeders from around the world, and they submit their new, never-before-sold varieties to our trial program. Then we have between 80 and 90 different judges all over North America, so we're Canadian and U.S., and our judges are looking at these brand-new varieties, comparing them to currently available varieties. For example, you know, they may uh, take a new tomato and compare it to Celebrity or Big Beef or something like that because what they want to do is see if these new varieties are better than what's already on the market. If it's the same, it is not eligible for an AAS award. So basically, we have all these volunteer judges who are horticulture professionals all over North America, and they're looking at the new varieties to determine if it is worthy of being an AAS winner. And if it is, then we go through the process of um, approving it, and then we start marketing and promoting it as an AAS winner, and it gets to use our brand. And... Because it does say All America Selections, and that includes Canada, too, doesn't it? You've got some yes, wild gardens up there. Yeah, so we, it's we do. All over the U.S. in all sorts of, of climates, uh, which is a great way to do it. And now, you started something a couple of years ago called Regional Varieties. Is that program, how is that program working out? Are you continuing oh my gosh, yeah. it? Yes, yes, we are. And uh, the backstory on that is kind of interesting. Um, we had, well, we had numerous entries that we were like, wow, this is, this is really good genetics, but it didn't perform well here. And it's more true with the vegetables, edibles, than it is with the flowers. But, for example, think of like an okra or a celery. Well, there's a reason that all the celery is grown in a certain area of North America because the climate is more conducive to it. There's a reason an okra is part of our southern cuisine. That's where it grows the best or that's where it was native. So we were looking at um, a lot of our trial results and I don't know, it was probably 2011, 12, something like that. And we were looking at how the judges in certain areas would rave about something and loved it, but it didn't perform well everywhere, so we couldn't give it an award. And then somebody said, well, what if we started recognizing some of the entries, if they didn't become a national winner, let's look at regional performance and see if we should deem them a regional winner. 
so we started doing that. We were looking at the scores. We talked to the breeders. They were very interested. The seed sellers were very interested. And um, so, yeah, we launched this regional award program, and it has been very successful. We have a lot of regional winners. So what I would recommend is people look at our website, and they can look at the national winners will perform everywhere, and then they can drill down in to look at their region, and they can get even more AF winners to choose from because the judges have said, these performed well in our area. Now, you mentioned your website, so let's tell everybody what the website is. It is aafwinners.com. And I noticed you've got a whole bunch of new stuff on your website that wasn't there before, or at least I didn't see it, like judge um, biographies. Yes, yeah, yeah, there's there's several things. Um, the judge biographies, because we want people to get to know our judges. Um, they have very interesting stories, very interesting lives, um, a lot of experience, so we are profiling them under AF winners it says judge biographies and actually just this week we are going to start a series of judge biographies on our Facebook page so we're going to start telling people this is who is judging um, all of our entries and we'll tell in the profile you know which trials that they're a judge for either flower or um, edibles that kind of thing so yeah the judge bios is, is something new I'm glad you brought that up I'm glad you saw it well, I'm just always fascinated, and so many of them have changed. Uh, I knew a fair number of them way back when, but, you know, of course, people retire, especially university people. Uh, I noticed, uh, I knew John Reuter was uh, now head of the trial garden, um, but it hadn't really sunk into me that, oh, yes, of course, and the University of Georgia has quite large numbers of trial gardens, several trial gardens in addition to the display gardens. And so, yeah, that, that's another name that I, I hadn't heard. And then, of course, I know quite a few people from Garden Writers. Excuse me, it's now called Garden.com. So if you're looking for a speaker or a writer, um, you can look for Garden.com instead of, instead of Garden Writers Association now. But I just thought it was fascinating. And I noticed that um, you also have an article on here, and Five Vertical Gardening Tips. Oh, that's a to... brand new one. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad you saw that. You you really did your homework. I'm complimenting you. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. I I'm just I'm nosy. I like to know what's new, and you know the biggest joy in my life, or one of the biggest joys in my life, is getting the seeds to trial myself, and so I want to read up on them. Uh, and when I was reading up, I found some of the other things, and and I'm curious. I didn't see though who was the judge that did the uh, vertical gardening tips. Oh, wait a minute. Uh, yes, I did. It's down there at the bottom of the page. I didn't scroll down far enough. Yeah, yeah. I got stopped a while. Right, right in, dead in my tracks looking at the two, the tomato red torch, which is stripity, and the silver wave melon. That's a good-looking melon. Isn't it, though? Yeah, yeah. And and the taste is unusual because kind of a, a blend between a cantaloupe and a honeydew. So very sweet, um, 
and it has the orange-colored flesh, but then it tastes a little bit more like a honeydew. It's it's from Asia, so it's an Asia breeding company, and I think they're introducing North America to something that's a little bit different. Normally, you don't find some of these specialty melons unless you're in in a Chinese or Indian market and at the right time of year because most farmers don't grow them here. Right. Or, um, you know, they're they're more perishable. So mm-hmm. it's certainly not something that you would see, you're right, in your local market. And then even as far as I like to tell people, if you're getting garden, why not do it, do it for something different? I mean, why grow just another cantaloupe? Because you're going to be able to find that in the store. And, you know, the price is probably going to be great if it's a common item. So why not grow things that are more attention-getting and have a different flavor profile? And this orange silver wave really fills that need. I can't wait to try it. Yeah, melons for me are tough because we have bugs here, but it's worth it to me. I'm going to go out and buy some new Remay or Agrabon or something of the sort and stick it under there so that I can have a chance. How is it for for uh, resistant to vine borers and pickle worms and stuff like that? Well, you don't really have much of that in the Midwest where you are, do you? Well, we don't, but that's something I was going to say is that this is one of those regional winters that did do well in the southeast. And so if it did well in the southeast, that must mean that it did okay for the judges down there. And I'm just looking. I don't see... um, They've got disease resistance, but it's a little bit hard for us to ask about insect resistance because that varies so widely. Um, so, yeah, there are two. It's uh, melon necrotic spot virus and melon, melon fusarium wilt. It has some resistance, too. And we don't have to worry particularly about either one of those here. So we're, we're lucky in that respect. Yeah. But darn, we have bugs. Yeah. Oh, there, is, <laughs> there is nothing worse than going out and to pick a melon that you've been watching and waiting for and all of a sudden you come back to it the next day when you know it's going to be slip ready, ready to come right off the vine and there's this ugly old pickle worm sticking out of it. Oh, yes, yeah. That Around is here really is um, all the chipmunks and squirrels. You know, you think you have this your first tomato of the season, all of a sudden you come home from work and the stupid little squirrel has picked it and eaten half of it. Uh-huh. I'm really familiar with that. Last <laughs> yeah. year, the darn things, um, the, the chipmunks and the squirrels were awful. And we also have a little creature here called a cotton rat. And a cotton rat is a vegetarian. And it loves fresh produce. And I suspect that that probably got some of my tomatoes. And bell peppers, too. Yeah. Little stinkers. Yeah. <laughs> and I love my carmen peppers. Uh, by the way, for those people that can't grow bell peppers, grow carmen. Carmen isn't a bell, but it's got thick walls like a bell pepper. And it ripens beautifully red. And it stays... If One of the things about bell peppers that I always found frustrating is I prefer red peppers to green peppers. But mm-hmm. once you have them on the plant, the red peppers... Production slows down so much. Carmen doesn't miss a beat. It keeps it on. Do you remember what year Carmen was an AAS winner? 
Um, I'm going to say late 90s. I can look that up very quickly here. But, yeah, you're right. That pepper is amazing. I think it is, out of all the peppers that I have ever grown, I think that is my favorite, both for flavor and for production. Because you can eat it green, you can eat it red. Um, it, and the peppers are a good size, so you don't have to waste, you know, half a pepper sitting in, sitting in the refrigerator until you forget about it either. I don't know if yeah, you ever do yeah. that. You never do that, right? All your produce oh, is, uh, is used up right away. <laughs> Yeah, right. Um, it was 2006. It's more recent than what I remembered. So ah, it's, it's only a 13-year-old, yeah. And some people may not have it yet because I notice I haven't seen it in the big box stores. So get oh, yourself a packet yeah. of seed, people, and grow your own. Growing fruit yeah, seed is easy. It, it anyway, is. We, we're going to have to take a break coming up here and when we come back I'd like you to talk about this year's peppers and I guess there's one pepper and a whole slew of tomatoes and I you know I'm a tomato freak so I can't wait to get my my tongue wrapped around those but we'll be right back after this break Welcome back to America's Homegrown Veggie Show. I'm here today with Diane Blazek, and we're talking about the new All-America Selection winners. And so right before the break, we were talking about my favorite pepper of all time. Am I going to like this year's winner? Oh, I think you will. Yes. Um, Tell me about hard to this say, say definitively, but um, you like the red, and I'm the same way. I like the flavor of red, orange, yellow peppers more than I do the green. Um, to me, the green ones taste kind of grassy, but, you know, that's subjective. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, with this one being a yellow, just sweet, so it's not as big as Carmen that we were talking about. Um, but maybe this will prevent the, the waste that you were talking about, that you might have to throw some away, because um, it is a smaller pepper. So it's a loved pepper. It's not a smooth pepper like you see traditionally with the, the mini peppers. So it's really a mini bell pepper, but it's also a snacking pepper size-wise. And it's yellow and it's sweet, so it's not going to have the, the green pepper taste. I see that it says um, that it have, has... Nice thick walls. Oh, that's always important. You know, nobody wants the thin-walled things where basically you're just eating skin. So that's that's yeah. really important when the judges are looking at the peppers. You know, they're out in the field and they're slicing them open and they're comparing the wall thickness, literally one to another. Um, so yeah, that hopefully we won't be uh, promoting any thin-walled peppers unless they're supposed to be thin-walled. <laughs> Yeah, and thin wall peppers, I guess, are, are okay for frying, but yeah. I can't, I can't for just eating. Nah, not for me. Right, uh, I agree. Yeah. We have to talk about my favorite subject, and that is tomatoes. Tomatoes. Yeah. Where tell Where do you want to start talking? Big or little? We've got them all. Oh well, I guess we ought to tell people that there's another one in the Chef's Choice series. Most you're right. Okay, so we're going to start eating. Big. Yes, yeah. yes, we, we now have Tomato Chef's Choice Black, and as you mentioned, this is part of a series. There are now six colors in the series. Let's see if I can remember them all. So we've got red, pink, orange, green, yellow, and now black. And black is 
kind of that unique coloration. You know, don't think of true, true, true black, but it's got a lot of dark green spots to it. It's a beefsteak tomato. It's the same size, same growth habit as all the other chef's choice. They have a lot of good disease resistance. Productivity is great. They're going to be crack resistant. So overall, it's just a great series. And I don't know if I'll have room this year because, you know, they are indeterminate plants, but I'd love to grow all six and then slice them up for a tomato salad. I think that would just be an amazing platter to serve to my family. It is. And if you show them to guests, the guests will think you are the most wonderful gardener in the entire world. That's right. Yeah. Impress your (laughs) friends. Grow chef's choice. (laughs) Yeah. They are pretty, though, and I, I like that they... They're a nice size. They're not really huge, they're, but they're good um, for, you know, for, like you said, slicing up on a, on a plate for a nice salad. Um, they give a big presentation. I like that. Yeah. Now, and good, remember, good for a burger, too. So got to yes. remember that. Slice your tomatoes, put them on your grilled burgers. Have you ever grilled tomatoes? I have not. Have you? Try some tomatoes. Yeah, you can. Of course, it's a little difficult with some of them that have really thin skinned, but I found that the chef's choice seemed to hold up pretty well. Of course, you're not going to grill them very long, but what I like to do is cut them in half and just put a little bit of pepper, maybe a little bit of salt on it, and put them, of course, skin side down. Mm -hmm. And I find it helps to use a, a grill basket because then you don't have to worry about picking it up afterwards and losing half the juice. Um, or like my husband likes to do, pick it up and flop it over, and then all the juice runs down into <laughs> the grill. That doesn't work too well. Put the fire out. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, that doesn't work too too well. Fortunately, we use a gas grill now, and, and so we don't have to worry about the fire going all the way out. Okay, so that's Chef's Choice Black, and... And the black, as you mentioned, isn't black all over. It's got um, it's got some green to it and some reddish looking, according to the picture here. So, right. all right, what else do we have in the way of of tomatoes this year? Well, let's let's talk about another one on the large side. So we'll we'll start large okay. and go down to smaller. Um, this one is called Mountain Rouge. So rouge meaning that it's a little bit on the pinker side than red. And the Mountain Series is known for being uh, disease resistant. So we had Mountain Merit a couple years ago and now Mm -hmm. Mountain Rouge. And these come from North Carolina State University. The breeding work does. So um, I would think that your listeners that are in the southeast would really like this one. It is another regional winner for actually in three different regions, so it did well in a big, basically everything east of the Mississippi it did well in. Yeah, they they work well in a wet climate, and Lord only knows we had a wet year last year, over 70 inches of rain. And um, have you ever been to the experiment station in North Carolina? I've been to the one that's close to Asheville. Is that the one you mean? Yeah. The, yeah. the one that's yeah. on the on the foggy side of the mountain. Right. Was, yeah. It's an interesting way to test your tomatoes because he's got the perfect situation there for um, for growing a, a plant that's resistant to late blight. 
because mm-hmm. if there is a disease that it's going to get, um, it's going to jump on a tomato, that's the location for it because it's cool and it's wet and then it has hot spells. And so if there's a, a way that it's going to get a disease, that's the location that it's going to do it. So now how is it? How is Mountain Rouge for flavor? I know some of the early mountain types weren't very great on flavor. I've seen yeah. that they have yeah. pumped those up quite a bit flavor-wise. Right, right. That, and, and I probably should have said that in the beginning, is absolutely one of the first things that our edible judges are looking for is taste because, you know, you can have a tomato that's, that's perfect in every aspect except taste. Well, who wants to buy it? <laughs> I mean, yep. we are growing our vegetables to eat. So the first thing is always taste, and I had mentioned earlier about how we have comparisons. So if if there's one out there, and um, I can I can even tell you on Mountain Rouge, it was compared next to Damsel, and it was compared um, to Chef's Choice Pink. So this one they really liked. A lot of the judges were talking about the balance between acid and sugar. You know, some people might like it more acidic. Some people might like it more sweet. But, you know, the common knowledge is there's a good balance in there, and that's what they talked about for this one. They talked about uh, the skin thickness where it wasn't too thick but wasn't too thin, you know, because you don't want them to just fall apart on the vine. Um, And then the... um, the meatiness of it, you know, not too meaty, not too juicy. Again, you got to have that good balance. If you want something all meaty, you're going to go with aroma. Um, sure. So, yeah, this one, the judges were definitely in favor of it for taste. The one thing I noticed looking at the description of it is his, it's got minimal seeds. Yeah, and yeah, I thought that was a lot of people too. have a lot of people have difficulty with tomato seeds with their digestive system. Right, and um, and something that has minimal seeds. Now, I always equate that to something like aroma. Aromas really don't have much in the seed um, department either. Um, so that this sounds very interesting to me. I can't mm-hmm. wait to grow it. I, I, you wouldn't have believed what I was like when I got my seed pack, my box of seeds this year, Diane. I looked in there and I was looking at the tomato seeds and more tomato seeds, and and I just was in in highest heaven thinking about. You all should have videotaped that yourself. <laughs> that would have been a good uh, like Facebook Live video if you would have videotaped yourself like jumping up and down and being all excited. <laughs> Honey, I'm too old to jump, but I was excited. <laughs> you could have wiggled. <laughs> yeah, well, let's see. Okay, so what else do we have? In We've got Mountain Rouge, and we've got um, Chef's Choice Black. What else is? I'm looking at this tomato page of tomato, okay. and I just, I'm going crazy. Well, let's hear it. So we have three on the smallest side, but they're all pretty different. So um, let's talk about Firefly. This is a national winner. It's the cutest little thing. It's somewhere between a grape tomato, I'm sorry, a cherry tomato size and a currant tomato. So it's small, Ooh, but tiny, it's not as tiny. small as a currant, so kind of in between. Um, a couple years ago, we had Candyland Red, which mm-hmm. is a currant tomato, and then we've got Firefly now. I want to grow both of them, and what I'm going to do is now when I do my next um, cheese platter, cheese plate for uh, a mm-hmm. party, for a gathering, I'm going to use these tomatoes instead of grapes as my little accent, and then people can just pluck them off and eat them 
So um, nice and sweet, um, not too acidic. They're small. You can pop them in your mouth. You can harvest them right on the truss. They are indeterminate. You know, both of these, Candyland and Firefly, are indeterminate. So you got to have... Got to have room for them. Got to stake them. Grow vertical, like we were talking about on our blog. Um, but I think everybody's going to really, really like this one because it's got that pale yellow. And I, to me, yellow tomatoes have an amazing flavor. Um, I didn't used to be a fan of yellow tomatoes until I met Sun Gold, and yeah. Sun Gold is probably my favorite tomato now of all time. And of course. But you can tell by its name that it's also a gold or yellow tomato. Right. Okay. Yeah, that so was very popular. I, I can't wait to try that one, too. And and I'm always leery about yellow tomatoes, so I'm going to trust your judgment, and I'm going to love it, I'm sure. Oh, right. okay. It's got a cute name, too, Firefly. It is, yes. Okay, so what else do we have on the tomato line? Okay, so we have two other tomatoes on the small end of the scale, and they're both, I think you called them stripey or stripely. So one is called Red Torch and one is called Sparky, which, again, is just the cutest little name. Um, so Sparky is a round cherry tomato, and Red Torch is an elongated grape tomato. And they both have similar coloration. They are from the same breeder, but they have different shapes, obviously. Um, so it's a red, reddish-orange tomato with these orange stripes on it. So the red torch makes you think of, okay, flames. It looks exactly uh-huh. like a flame going around the outside of it. So um, red torch, again, um, an indeterminate tomato, huge production off of each vine. And then sparky is the same way. I think the main difference is that sparky has a little bit higher bricks score of 8.5, so it's going to be a little bit sweeter. But other than that, they are very similar. Interesting. When we come back after this next break, I would like you to talk to us about something else that's special about Sparky that just caught my eye when I was looking at it. Anyway, we have to take a little break, and we'll be right back after this. Quick Stakes. That's Q-U-I-K steaks are not just for surveyors. They are great for family and community gardens. Go online to www.quickstake.com or contact your local land surveying supply dealer and get you a box of quick steaks. You'll love them every year when you plant your garden. Again, that's quick steaks, Q-U-I-K steaks, the truly preferred way to stake and identify what's in your garden now. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's D-O-C-S, the number four, patientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. Quick Stakes, 
That's Q-U-I-K Steaks are not just for surveyors. They are great for family and community gardens. Go online to www.quicksteak.com or contact your local land surveying supply dealer and get you a box of quick steaks. You'll love them every year when you plant your garden. Again, that's quick steaks, Q-U-I-K Steaks, the truly preferred way to stake and identify what's in your garden now. The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key, and the trained staff at AHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to America's Homegrown Veggie Show. Right before the break, uh, we were talking about tomatoes, and there is something special about Sparky. Diane, tell us about what's special about it. So in the title, it's called um, Tomato Sparky X. FL, so that means extended shelf life, and you know somebody might say, "Well, extended shelf life." I'm not, you know, selling it through the grocery stores or anything. So it's it's kind of dual purpose. It is really good for those growers that are growing um, for CSAs or farmers markets, but it's also good for the homeowner because you know maybe you go out and pick your tomatoes today, but you don't have time to get back out to the garden for a couple days. They will stay, you know. They won't turn to mush, and they won't start cracking and things like that. So um, you're going to get a longer, longer shelf life out of them is what that means. So if you pick a whole bunch in the weekend on the weekend and you don't get around eating them until maybe Thursday or Friday, they're still going to be good. Exactly. Yes. All right. I'm sure a lot of people are going to be interested in that feature just just by its its own self, um, besides tasting good and looking cute. Okay, now something else that has happened this year that hasn't happened. I can't. I in my memory is there is a potato available from seed. How would you like to tell us about that one? Yes, would love to. It's amazing since we announced this. Um, we just announced at the end of not even the end of January, is early February is when we approved this as a new AAF winner. It is generating so much interest, so many questions, so much uh, hoobaloo, you know, on social media and everything. So it's called Potato Clancy. And I think when our judges got the seed last year, we sent we always send the seed out to our judges like around January 1st. So this was a year ago that they first got this Clancy potato seed. They didn't know the name at the time. And they were just stumped, like, well, we've never grown from seed. You know, pota- we've grown seed potatoes, but not potatoes from seed. There's a big difference. You know, a seed potato is you take a potato and you cut apart with the eyes, and then that's what you plant in the ground is this little piece mm-hmm. of potato. 
Um, so this is a seed. Uh, they do pellet it because the seed is so small. So they want you to be successful, the home gardener. And so by pelleting, you have a larger seed. You can, you know, it's easier to place one per cell when you're starting it, that kind of thing. Um, so then it will take off and it will create this bushy little plant with some pretty blue buds. The recommendation is to start it about the same time that you would start your tomatoes and peppers. It's in the same family as uh, tomatoes. So what we do is are recommending that you start it, you know, whatever it is for your area, the number of weeks prior to last frost, and then transplant it when the uh, soil temperature gets the right temperature, which I believe they said was about 70 degrees. I'd have to read that on our website. Um, and then by the end of the summer, you're going to have a lot of small tomato potatoes. <laughs> I'm getting my crops mixed up. And you're going to have a good variation. There's going to be some like, like elongated, almost fingerling, and then some little oval ones. The color range goes from kind of a pinkish creamy color to a full reddish russet and nice creamy interior nobody disliked the the flavor or texture of this potato so really? it's just very different like you said we've never had an AS winner that was a potato from seed um, you know you get a packet of seed and you don't use all of them this year, you want to keep them, well, you can now do that with potatoes. You know, with, with seed potatoes, that won't work. But with potatoes from seed, that will work. You can store any extras till next year. The seed, I and mean, not said, the actual potatoes. You said some of these are elongated and some of these are round. About what's the, what's the maximum size, maybe two, three inches long? Oh, they're, st they're still pretty small. Um... Yeah, I, I would say three inches is definitely the bigger ones. And, of course, it depends when you harvest them, too. You know, like sure. like any potatoes, if you harvest them earlier, they're going to be smaller. And I know myself and probably a lot of people are anxious and, oh, I got my potatoes and I want to harvest them. So they might be harvesting <laughs> on the small end. But, yeah, you can, you can let them go before frost and, and they might get a little bit larger. But they're really bred to be a smaller potato. They're not They're not big bakers. They're not that class. They look absolutely gorgeous in the picture, and I'll be putting a picture of this up on our uh, show's Facebook page so everybody can go and take a look at it, too, because the color variation is so fascinating. It's just beautiful here. Yeah, I can see it is interesting. drizzled with a little bit of olive oil in the oven with maybe a little bit of garlic or doing them as a potato salad. Ooh, I oh, I can see so yeah. many things. You're making me hungry that. again. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll, we'll, do, we'll have to switch over to flowers. How about that? We That's can switch true. over we to will. flowers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, oh, goodness. We have so many flowers this year. Uh, let's start with talking about marigolds because as far as introducing marigolds, this has probably been the biggest year ever with the number of marigolds all at one time. And part of the reason is um, a majority of these all belong to the same series. So they wanted to um, announce and start selling all of these marigolds at the same time, which, which really makes sense for the commercial market and for consumers, mm -hmm. too. It's like, oh, well, I want a gold and a yellow and an orange, et cetera. So um, this new series is called Big Duck. And it was really fun to write the descriptions, you know. I was thinking of all these puns and using the word quack 
back and everything like that. But um, the, what is different about these, we, we've been talking about rain in your region um, mm-hmm. and disease, but these will last much longer in the season. They will not succumb to disease. So you will continue to have these marigolds just flushing with blooms. Um, and, and they'll get... I mean, I'm not going to say hedge because of the height, but hedge because of the density and how they'll be covered with flowers. And uh, and like I said, then the foliage is not going to succumb to disease. Last year you had a marigold as an AAS wearer too, right? We did. Um, what? Do we you had, know what it was? Yes. Well, there was one in this series, and then there was also um, Superhero Bry, yes. that one was the one that's a bicolor, and uh, it's yeah that one that one has been going phenomenal. You know, there's certain ones that just really take off in popularity. So last year it was superhero spry marigold, and also um, our queenie lime orange zinnia was another one. Like all the cup flower growers are going crazy over that zinnia. Well, I went crazy over superhero spry because. First off, it looks like the old-fashioned marigold that I grew up when I was a little kid. Right. But it didn't have any of the same problems. It didn't, um, it didn't get all sprawly and sprangly, even with 70 inches of rain and not enough sun where it was planted. That sucker just kept on growing and growing and blooming and blooming. And I, it may even still be blooming out in the greenhouse. I'll have to ask my husband to, to check on it for me because we just brought in the container that it was in. One of the advantages of growing in containers is that you can do that at the end of the year, and you don't have to dispose of your plants. Yeah, that's a good point. Good tip, Even though right? it's an annual. <laughs> yeah, it is, but if it keeps going, then then that's awesome. And the other thing about Superhero Spry is um, that color differential. How it has the, the burgundy, rust-colored red mm-hmm. outer petals and then the yellow inner petals, how they really stay true to colors throughout the season. I was amazed at that, too, because they didn't even fade. When we had a, a couple of weeks of really hot weather in there, I really expected them to fade out because marigolds tend to do that here anyway. But it held its color. It didn't fade. Um, they they do set seed, but the seed isn't uh, viable, is it? Well, if it's a hybrid, I mean, you can save the seed and you can regrow it, but it's not going to be the same as the original plant. Yeah. Well, what I was wondering whether if it wasn't viable seed, whether that was part of why it kept growing and blooming for such a long time. The flowers held for such a long time. Well, that's one um, of the things that the breeders are working on is in all the flowers. You know, what what do they want? Well, a longer bloom time and making sure that these flowers stay the same and how how um, just how much flower power they'll give over over the length of the plant. Well, this definitely had flower power, and if the new ones, if the the duck series um, does as well. Oh boy, these are these are just super plants. I can't tell people yeah. how how much I really like them. And you know, I'm I'm a vegetable person. I'm a vegetable nut. But that marigold was super. Okay, yeah. so what else do we have here besides the the big duck series? 
Uh, there's one more marigold. And so I, I first want to kind of clarify the difference in the marigolds. So the superhero spry that we were talking about is a French marigold. So that's got a smaller flower, even though this particular one was bred for a larger flower, probably about an inch and a half or so, whereas these other American marigolds are much larger. They have a three- to four-inch head. They almost look like a chrysanthemum. They're so large. I was large. just going to say, they, I, I thought it was a chrysanthemum for, yeah. for the first look. Right. Okay. So in the big duck, there, like I said, there were several colors, the gold, the orange, and the yellow. And then the same breeder came out with one called Garuda, deep gold. Now, this one is a cut flower. And I know that cut flower, growing your own cut flowers is a huge, huge business, huge trend right now. A lot of people are wanting to do that. And so this is another really good option for growing your own cut flowers because of the color, because of the stem length, and also because this one, too, is disease resistant. So you're going to get um, zinnias all the way through the season. I'm sorry, marigold, not zinnia. Marigold. <laughs> yeah. That's all right. You had a great zinnia last year. Yeah, that's um, true, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll make up for it there. Okay, we are almost out of time for this section. When we come back, let's. what other flower winners do we have? Oh, we can talk about a huge variety. Maybe another zinnia, a vinca, some petunias, some begonias. we got a lot to talk about. Oh, yes, the begonias. And it looks like the seeds are, on those are pelletized, too. I remember yeah. my very first time growing a begonia from seed, and I sneezed. Uh-oh, they were gone. <laughs> <laughs> and for those that haven't ever grown begonias from seed before, I can tell you those things, they are the tiniest little seeds that yeah. you can ever imagine. I, I don't even understand how they come up out of the soil. Um, because they're, they're it's a miracle of nature. <laughs> it, it is. It is definitely a miracle. Okay. Well, so we'll get we'll come back and we'll talk a little bit more about um, growing from seed and the new varieties that are available from All America Selections right after this. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to America's Homegrown Veggie Show. I'm Daryl Pullis, and my guest today is Diane Blazik from the All-America Selections Group, which is um, it's a nonprofit, right? And you test seeds and plants from in all parts of North America. Is that correct? Exactly, yes. We work with breeders from around the world and test all over North America and find out which ones are going to be the... Next great thing. Well, I, like we were talking about that marigold, that's definitely going to be the next great thing. And now, right before the break, we were talking about begonias. And begonias typically, in my experience, are grown from cuttings. Um, I've grown them in the greenhouse from cuttings. Now, but you have some that are seed grown. Yes, yes, we do. Tell me how um, that came about. Well, this one is a new series from a breeder that we have been working with for years and years. In fact, um, interesting tidbit, this breeder um, is the one behind Profusion Zinnias, which Ooh. almost the entire series are AAS winners, and then also the Sun Patients, the impatience that do well in the sun. So the breeding company, it's a Japanese company with a great presence here in North America, um, last year they had that Gypsophila winner, 
um, called Gypsy White Improved, and now this year they've mm-hmm. come out with this Viking XL Red on Chocolate Begonia. So it's a new series of begonia. Grows great from seed, like you mentioned. The, the seeds are pelleted because, as we know, begonia seeds are tiny, so they're very hard to work with. Again, our judges are always kind of moaning and groaning when we send out a begonia um, <laughs> entry because they're like, oh, they're so hard to grow. But when they're pelleted, it certainly makes a difference in um, establishing them then. And, you know, another thing behind AAS winners is that they are going to have great germination. So everything, um, there may be a couple crop classes that are left, but pretty much all the AAS winners are going to have between a 95 to 100% germination rate. So that's important, too. You know, if you're paying for uh, a hybrid quality, you want to make sure that they germinate, and that is certainly true with this begonia viking. So the most striking thing about this begonia, number one, is the size of it. Um, Some people may think of begonias as those small little things that maybe get like six inches, but this one will certainly get larger. It's called XL for a reason. It's a good mounded plant. And like I said, the main thing is the leaf color. It's a really deep bronze, almost brown. That's why they call it chocolate. So the leaves are really dark. And then the red flowers, a very nice red that's not going to fade, just pops off of that dark chocolate-covered leaf, which is also very glossy, and I think you can tell that from the pictures. You can. It's very a very, very striking plant, and whoever staged it did a really good job putting it in a, a brown container, kind of almost yeah, a chocolate-color yeah. container itself. Yeah. But I was right. looking at the plant characteristics here. You said it's XL. This is humongous, 28 to 34 inches Right, right. So you really get your money's worth there, right? (laughs) Yeah, one plant would fill a container. Or at the end of a bed. Can you imagine one of these at the end of a flower bed? It would be beautiful. Well, in fact, that's one of the things that we wrote about in the description is, you know, a lot of public gardens are um, our judges, and there was one uh, judge who manages their landscapes, and she was saying, you know, this this is going to be my new first choice for, for our landscape beds. It will look beautiful in there, and I agree. That, that You know, it gets a nice green lawn or green trees or anything. It's just, uh-huh. you know, it's striking. Striking is absolutely the word for it with those, yeah. the leaf color. Now, does the leaf color hold up in the season? Oh, yeah. Yes, definitely. Ah, cool. Because I noticed, you know, when I was working in the in the greenhouse, I noticed that a lot of the, the darker color leaves, the red leaves would get sort of greenish in the heat. So these are going to, but I, I noticed that this holds even in the south. Right, and that's what I was going to point out is, you know, like um, Texas and Mississippi, Louisiana, Florida, it's a national winner. All the judges were impressed with it. Well, I can certainly see why, and I'm going to, I'm so excited to try to to grow these things this year. You have no idea. I'm practically jumping up and down in my chair here. (laughs) If you hear a crash, me falling off the chair. Okay, okay. (laughs) Hopefully somebody will pick you back up. (laughs) Well, I hope so. I hope so. Um, Now, tell me what else we have, because we're, believe it or not, we only have eight minutes left, and we have more plants to talk about. 
I know, time just flies. It's so fun. Okay, um, well, we cannot miss um, a new wave petunia. So the original waves, when they came out um, 25 years ago, they were entered into the AES trial. So the original purple wave way back when was one of our winners. And consistently they have come out with new colors and new growth habits mm-hmm. and everything. So our recent one is Carmine Velour. And Velour is a new series um, started a couple years ago. So it's got that really velvety texture to it. And, you know, people just want to touch it because they think it is velvet. Um, but this color being Carmine is something that we have not seen in the wave petunias before. So it's just, it's so hard to describe. It's such a vibrant, deep to medium color. You can't even call it pink. You know, it's you just have to see it to believe it. I like it. It says bright colors regardless of clouds or sun. Yeah. Because so often a, co- a plant will look great in the sun, but you get, you know, a series of cloudy days and just kind of fades back in the landscape. Now, does this, I'm looking at the color and I'm trying to, trying to think of how to describe it. Does it have a hint of blue in it or is that my monitor? I think I would, that's a really good way to describe it is, you know, because it's not like, like a red, how you'll get an orangish red and a bluish red. So Mm -hmm. think of it that way, except none of the orangish to it. So, so yeah, it's, and I, I find carmine a very difficult word to um, define and describe. And so when we were writing the, the description that we put on our website and in press releases, I thought I'm just going to use quotes directly from our judges because they all had a different way of describing it, and um, they were all impressed. So putting it that way, it's you know it's got the wave habit, the the way that it'll make a ground cover out of it, and then the color is one that like we just haven't seen before. That looking at the picture, I would I would say definitely that's not a color that I have ever seen before in a plant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, something to try, something to look for. Well, and and petunias again are very small seeds. I didn't realize that the waves were seeded. I I just assumed they all were, all were plugs. Oh gosh! Well, I mean, plugs usually come from seed, but right. liners yeah, I, I, come from I mean, vegetative from, cuttings. Yeah, yeah, vegetative cuttings. Yeah, from vegetative. So yeah, the the whole wave series are definitely seed propagated. So that means that they're available to consumers who want to start their own. So it's a great quality. Yeah, and and for people that are a little short on. You know, short on cash, like like new homeowners very often are. Right. You want right. to decorate, but you've just spent all your money on the house, and then the yeah. water heater breaks <laughs> the day after you <laughs> close on it. Right. So it's a good choice because, yeah, starting from seed is cheaper, and you'll get, what, a three-foot spread out of, out of each plant, so you're going to cover a lot of ground. Okay. Now, what else do you have for, well, it doesn't even have to be this year. What You mentioned that the seed, that um, the waves have mostly been AAS winners, or was it the, the one that started? Or the one that the started, yeah. So um, these came from a Japanese breeding, well, 
actually, um, back then, I think that they, this was just kind of like a, a chance thing that they came up with this petunia and put it in the AAF trials. Didn't really have distribution set up here in the U.S. So there's there's a company here in the Chicagoland area, Ball Horticulture, and they're seed division, Pan American Seed, um, saw it in the trials and decided that they would like to be the North American distributor. And so since that came about, they've, they've bought all the rights and, and own the genetics behind the WAVE series. And so there's, you know, I'm, I'm not an expert on WAVE, but I know that there's several different habits depending on what you're looking mm-hmm. for. So for, for the consumer, I would just recommend that they read the tag if they're buying a plant or read the seed package, the description, so that they know what to expect. You know, exactly how tall is this going to get? How wide will it get? Um, just knowing that the whole WAVE series will deliver, meaning it is going to spread and it is going to be that rain and wind resistance that we're looking for in petunias, summer-long color, just very florific, covered with flowers. These are not your grandmother's petunias. No, not at all. <laughs> if you, I, I used to hate petunias because my job as a child was to deadhead them, and I couldn't stand the stinky sap you know, yeah. when you when you were deadheading, and uh, but these don't these are self cleaning for the most right. part. You right. don't have to do anything to them. You just plant them and you enjoy them. And I've had mine go through a fair amount of frost too, as well as wow. boiling yeah, hot summer heat next to a next to a, a sidewalk or something like that. Yeah, so. yeah, that's good. Okay, so what else are you excited about? Well, I think we should give a little bit of time to some Vinca because we have several Vinca winners, um, part of a series, and the series is called Mega Bloom. And um, this is interesting. These came from a breeder in Asia, and they're um, Southeast Asia, actually. So they're being bred for heat and humidity resistance, and as we're all experiencing weather changes that we have, um, anytime you have something that's heat and humidity resistance, probably going to mean that you get longer bloom time and less disease on it. So this series that we have is called Mega Bloom. Our newest one is Polka Dot, so it's a vibrant white with a really nice pink eye, and then the other two in the series are called Orchid Halo and Pink Halo, so it's kind of the opposite coloration. The Orchid Halo is a nice pinkish orchid color with a white eye, a little bit larger white eyes, why they're calling it Halo, and then the other one is pink, so it's got the pinker outer petals with the white halo in the inside. So there's three that are all in the same series, yeah. I'm looking at the size of the leaf compared to the size of the bloom, and I'm just, um, when they call it mega bloom, they're not kidding. They are not kidding at all. They're (laughs) huge. Yeah, Yeah, there's three to four inches for a vinca. And I have to tell you, starting, we were talking about starting from seed earlier. So um, I can't remember which color I had. I think it was orchid and it was last year, and, and I, I was just so stupid. I did the worst possible thing. I, I didn't sow them in individual cells, you know. I just kind of had some soil in, in a tray, and I just sprinkled them all over, and um, I, I didn't give it proper 
uh, drainage, and then I didn't give it enough water. And one time I sat it outside in some sort of other tray, and they started floating in water, and so I kind of <laughs> dumped it off. They still did amazing. They get, I don't know, 12 to 16, 80, 18 inches tall, oh, massive good. blooms, gorgeous. Well, that's a good thing for our listeners to know, and if they're ever afraid of learning how to start from seed, remember that we all make mistakes, and we all have plants anyway. So anyway, we are absolutely out of time this week. I thank you so much for coming and joining me, and I look forward to hearing about next year's crop of AAS winners. I'll be happy to talk about them. Okay. (laughs) Thank you, and we'll be back next week with more of America's Homegrown Veggies. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.